And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, the podcast about big jewelry boxes, Julia's taking off socks, and a handsome silver foxes. I'm Mia. And I'm Allie. P.S. I Love Rom-coms is a rom-com review podcast where each week, Mia and I, we climb out of the sunroof of a moving limo and scream out onto Hollywood Boulevard, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? Does anybody know? Joining us today is an author, podcast producer, and all-around titan of podcasting. She hosts the shows Movie Therapy, When Megan Met Harry, By the Book, and many more. And if she was in a rom-com, she'd be a busy executive whose world gets turned upside down when a rip in the fabric of time thrusts a charming gentleman from the 1800s into her life and into her heart. You guys, it's the one and only Kristen Meinzer. Woo! Oh my gosh, you guys. Thank you so much for having me here today. I am so excited to be here. And yes, if there is a hole being ripped in time, I, I want to be the one who is wearing that corset and having yes. that corset ripped off by a man who knows yes, what he's doing. Yes. yes. Speaking of movies and um, how we relate to them, Kristen, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called which rom-com hero slash heroine are you channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. And I can start us off. Yeah, this week, I think I'm channeling Cameron Diaz's character, Kimberly Wallace from My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, really? Are you singing karaoke quite badly and being sabotaged by a boyfriend's best friend? Um, not exactly, but pretty similar. I um, I was doing a little bit of self-sabotaging um, instead of getting sabotaged, um, in which I my manager got me um, a lovely audition for a musical. Oh and I'm just so desperate for any kind of work that I didn't say that I wasn't the best singer in the world so um <laughs> i i uh i said yeah sure i will uh i'll do this audition and um when i like recorded it i put in uh like headphones listening to the song and i was singing into my microphone and then when i listened to it back i was like i think i nailed it like i think i really nailed this song i think i'm actually an incredible singer. And then when I listened to just my audio track without any music underneath <laughs> it, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm tone deaf. I'm tone deaf. I can't sing. It sounds so bad. Um, and I uh, maybe if I had a little bit more pride, I would, I would not send it in but I'm so desperate for work that I was like maybe they'll overlook the fact that I'm a bad singer and I'm just going to send it in anyway so I did and um fingers crossed that I get the part and that you know Dermot Mulroney marries me in the end yes. um, but I think it's gonna it's happen gonna, yes. it's gonna happen yes um but that's who I'm channeling this week Mia who are you channeling um this week I am channeling uh the rom-com hero beloved hero Hitch played by Will Smith in the title role of the film Hitch um, because you know Hitch goes on da like dates with Eva Mendes's character and he wants him to go well and it's like you know just against all of his better best efforts and all of his like swagger and um, expertise in the subject they um, do not go well and his face gets swollen uh, etc and today I am a human just trying to have a normal day and I from the get-go from the jump it was like oh okay nothing the entered the, the vibe is off today I was like, okay, stuff is, you know, I'm going to, I understand that for the rest of the day, I'm going to be attempting tasks and it's just, it's not going to go my way. And I knew that I knew that. And I continued to be surprised by it, but, um, I woke up and, um, I woke up at, uh, 6am to make it to uh, a doctor's appointment that took me, okay. It took me, it took me two weeks to get on. I had to like call the people. They were on hold. They were closed. Yes. I was at different call centers. The he American healthcare system is complicated. Why is it so hard to get a doctor's appointment? I have the same problem where at the, where I'm just like, you know what? I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna go in, which is the wrong 
reaction. Oh you did the gosh. right thing. Sorry well, to interrupt, but why is it so, so hard? hard? And you would think that I did the right thing. Uh, was boy was <laughs> first of all, I get there. It's crazy. I, I talked to a call center person who was super nice. I get there at eight thirty, and they're like, "Oh, your appointment was at eight twenty. And I was like, "That's weird." I was like, I was pretty sure it was eight thirty, but I was like, "Yeah, you know, I probably misheard. It's at eight twenty. And then they were like, "Okay," and the income you reported was this, and I was like. Again, slightly different. It's close, but it's different. And then what was the third thing? It was like, it's like, is your name Nia Moffler? <laughs> yeah, it was like everything was wrong, but just slightly. What was the third thing? I, oh, the quote. They were like, oh, and they quoted you this. And I was like, no, it was lower. But again, close enough. I'm not like, it was weird. And the place was lovely. So I would get mad. So then I get taken back in my appointment. I have to get like an x-ray taken. And the woman is so sweet. And she's like, oh, we don't do that here. And so then I'm like, you know, it's been like a process. I'm like sort of like out far away. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, you know what? I absolutely got it. Like, like hitch. I understand this is, this is not going to go my way today. So I say, great. Thank you so much. Get back in my car. Absolutely. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Moving on. Drop a package off at FedEx to get the scan. The scan's not working. Absolutely. Of course it's not. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, I'll email it to you. We'll print it. I will review you well <laughs> because you asked me to go on the website and do it. Great, 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 great. Then um, get a commercial audition. Great. Do same day. Absolutely. I could, I could rip off a self-tape. No problem. Get home. Uh, there's an error message. You can't get the sides because the website uh, is down for the, ca the casting network. So I say, okay, absolutely great. I'm not going to um, do the audition. I'm going to go for a walk and then um, uh, shoot off uh, email to my agents. And then they get back to me and they say, no, Mia, here are your sides. Please, please, please do. Yeah. Do the tape and um, send it back to us. But um, so anyways, it's been quite the day of, um, you know, I've been trying to date Eva Mendez, <laughs> which is just go through my life. And I keep accidentally eating foods that I'm allergic to. And I'm not even and I think that's what's fun about being an adult is just being like, yeah, yeah, I'm not even mad about it because I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to have a good day soon. Oh, you guys, the silver lining. The, the time in the end when Hitch gets it right and everything is good is um, I was I ordered natural <laughs> deodorant that I was waiting for for mm. weeks and it would never showed up. And I was so sad. But today, right before this podcast, <gasps> it showed up. I have that brand of deodorant in my <gasps> house. Santa brought it for me for Christmas this year. Oh my year. gosh, Kristen, do you like it? I like the one I have. I think that um, a couple of them smell great and a couple of them aren't really quite my thing, but... But but I think I got the right one. I think I got the right flavor. What one do you have? I can't remember what it's called, but it smells like I'm on a beach. Oh, and that makes me feel oh good. Great. It makes me feel like I'm drinking a Paloma on the beach. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, yes. I love a Paloma. We're tequila gals. <laughs> I um, this is this is neither here nor there. But I um, I was told to get the tangerine one and then I backed out and I got the charcoal <laughs> one. So we'll see. It smells fun. <laughs> um, but that's who I'm channeling. Kristen, who are you channeling? Well, you know, you were referencing Enchanted at the top of this episode when mm -hmm. mentioning me because it is like, you know, we've all lost track of space and time and what's real and what's not over the past year with the pandemic. And I'm just doing yes. my best to be jolly and to play with the rats and the cockroaches and do all the <laughs> things in New York that a gal's got to do to be happy. Uh, so yeah, that's what I was, I've been doing today and all week. I actually, you know, talk to the birds almost every day. I'm, I'm one of those crazy bird ladies oh, and I have a bird oh, feeder on I my balcony. That. And yeah, <gasps> so that's what I've been up to is talking with the vermin and <laughs> singing badly and, you know, wearing pretty pastel colors, as you can see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, living for this, for that pastel blue in this, in this early spring time uh, that we have. Yes. And smelling like a beach uh, as well. Yes. You guys, yes. I'm going to get yes. that natural deodorant. Does it work? I've tried natural deodorants before and it's never, it's never worked for me because I'm a well, sweaty girl. Same problem as you. I'm a sweaty girl. I'm also a stinky girl. Mm. And so this, what I like about this in this container, I'm holding up right now is that um, they say you have to like use it for 14 weeks for it to start working, which makes me trust them because <laughs> I'm like, okay, they know something I don't, you know, they're going to like change something about my odor. Kristen, does it work for you? <laughs> um, I, I I think so. I don't know. I mean, during the pandemic, I don't know who is smelling me. Explain. But That's a good my point. husband might be smelling me, but he's using the same deodorant, so we may just not know anything. And then who's we, to we say? might not be the best test subjects and here. Then who's yeah. to say? <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking of changing in our personal grooming habits. 
Yes. Let's get into our movie discussion, shall we? Very natural segue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this week, we watched the 1990 romantic comedy Pretty Woman. In this film, Edward, played by Richard Gere, who makes a living buying and breaking up companies, picks up a hooker, Vivian, played by Julia Roberts, on a lark while on a business trip in L.A. After Edward hires Vivian to stay with him for the weekend, the two get closer, only to discover there are significant hurdles to overcome as they try to bridge the gap between their very different worlds. Pretty Woman was written by J.F. Lawton and directed by Gary Marshall, who also directed Runaway Bride, Valentine's Day, and Princess diaries it was originally intended to be a dark cautionary tale about class and prostitution in la but the film was reconceived as a romantic <laughs> comedy and given a huge budget uh, <laughs> it was wide wildly successful at the box office with box office mojo listing it as the number one romantic comedy by the Highest estimated domestic tickets sold at forty two million one hundred seventy six thousand and four hundred tickets. And so what? it just came above slightly ahead of my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, the film received mixed reviews, but Roberts <laughs> received a GG, a Golden Globe and a nom from the Academy. Wow. So, guys, let's dive into our initial thoughts and. Uh, maybe, Christine, you can start us off uh, with why you chose this film and give us a little bit of background info about your relationships with rom-coms. Yes. So I selected this movie because when I was a kid, I absolutely loved it. My grandmother, who I was very tight with, my nana, she and I went to the movie theater together and we saw it in the theater. Oh and... Um, it's just such a sweet memory I have of going to the movie theater with my Nana. And, you know, she's a grandma. She's like, oh, what should we go and see at the movie theater? Oh, let's see this movie about a hooker, you know? <laughs> and so we did. And we both loved the movie at the time. And both my Nana and I were big fans of Cinderella's stories of various types. I grew up loving those stories as a kid. And um, I didn't come from the most well-to-do background. And I really loved this whole idea that maybe somebody would see your value and swoop in and help take care of you. And my Nana very much came from that background. She was an orphan who really grew up with nothing and ran away from her foster parents who were very abusive when she was a teenager and oh started a whole new life in the big city. Wow. And so she wow. and I both really loved that kind of Cinderella story thing. And as a kid, I just thought it was the best. I thought Julia Roberts was just delightful. She was so pretty. And oh, gosh, Edward could really see everything that was special in her, even if nobody else could, even if everyone else just saw, saw a girl that you paid by the hour for company, he saw that she could be something more. And, you know, who doesn't love the makeovers in this movie? Who doesn't oh, love how great yes. Julia Roberts hair is in the oh movie? Oh, my God. So <gasps> unfair. So, yeah. This is why I chose this movie. And, you know, I've obviously watched it many, many times since then. And maybe the way I look at it now is slightly different than when I was a little girl sitting next to my Nana in the movie house with our, you know, fruit that we snuck into the theater. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's not quite the same movie as a grown up. Like there are some things that are not kosher in this movie. There are some things that are problematic in this movie. Uh, so I was uh, really excited to talk with both of you through adult eyes rewatching this at this point in my life and at this point in American history and world history. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. That is so freaking awesome to think about you and your Nana seeing it with fruit <laughs> in the movie theater. I love that. I love Nana. She really was into nutritious food. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> And also we were very thrifty. Like, you know, who yes. can afford that popcorn in a theater? Oh. My God, we're not it's, made out of money. No. Come it's, on. It's insanely expensive. It's like this is uh, this. You're like overcharging by like ten dollars. Um, I know I worked at a movie theater. We overcharged by so much. Um, like, so, do you really need to spend twelve dollars on popcorn? Oh, my God. I could go to dinner for that. Right? <laughs> it's like when the snacks are more expensive than the movie ticket, it's like something's yes. wrong. happening. Um, yeah. But that's how that fun fact that's how regal cinemas makes money is the concessions it's not through the actual ticket sales it's oh yeah the oh, yeah. so that's why that's why they got to be so high that's why and, yeah and, but, but if you ever let me back in a movie theater i promise i will buy all the popcorn if you just let me back in one of those <laughs> yes. safely safely i will love safely, yes. safely, i will buy please. all the popcorn <laughs> 
Um, but that is, oh, I think that's so relatable, Kristen. And that's something we are constantly coming to terms with on this podcast because rom-coms have sort of had several different Renaissance moments in culture, right? And this is definitely 1990. I feel like that's a big time for rom-coms, like to be taken sort of like seriously in pop culture. Um, as they're coming out. And so this is one of those ones that when it comes out is of the time and makes sense and is idealized and, and a fantasy in its time period. And then cut to 31 years later in the stark, what we call, what we've been calling the stark light of day in 2021. It's like, okay, things, things are slightly different. This looks a little different. Um, and I had the same experience cause I saw it when I was so young that I, of course, had no idea what Richard Gere's job was. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? It's so complicated and sad. And, um, and I, yeah, and it definitely like sets your expectations. Um, for what- yeah, I was the same way. I'm like, I don't know what he does. I don't really care what he does. I want to see Julia Roberts in another killer outfit. Yes. That orange short suit. I always think about <gasps> oh, that. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I mean, there are so many beautiful outfits Iconic in this that outfits. are of that era. Yes. The shoulder pads, the culotte style shorts, everything. Oh my gosh. She just looks, Those culotte she, shorts. She's the vision of beauty of 1990. She looks Truly, great. Truly, that bouncy yes. hair. To wear a blonde wig all night and to wake up with hair that bouncy, I say... <laughs> Uh-uh. Yeah. I've taken off have you <laughs> I've taken off a wig after an wig. evening. <laughs> and I, I look more like um who's the guy from Seinfeld in this movie? Jason Alexander. <laughs> oh, Jason Alexander. Yes. Oh my God. There's so much I want to talk about with like oh I feel like I, I took so many notes rewatching this about things that are problematic, including Jason Alexander. Oh like yeah. His whole job is to be the villain in this, obviously. But yes. As as a little kid, I saw him as a villain, but you know, as a grown up, I think maybe I see some other villains in here too. Ooh, yes. <gasps> Ooh. Should, should we get into it? Should we should we should we yeah. get into sort of like what has not aged well with the movie, and then we can circle back to like what still does and what we celebrate about it? Yeah. Yes. So um, there are a few things I think don't um, age well, but maybe they were bad at the time too. And I was just a little kid, so I didn't even notice. <laughs> but is the whole plot of the movie that Edward, aka Richard Gere, cannot be with a woman who's his equal? And the movie essentially opens up with him being dumped by someone who says, I'm tired of being at your beck and call. And then he runs into an ex-girlfriend in the beginning of the movie who also says, yeah, I talked to your secretary more than you. And the only way he can get past that is to be with a woman who's young enough to be his daughter who's used to being paid to be at people's beck and call. Is that the lesson of the movie? Yes. Ooh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I and so then does that make him the real villain in the movie, actually? And maybe it's not Jason Alexander who's the villain, but it's actually Edward? Oh, wow. Wow. I mean... I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And I also think this is amazing because I feel like so many, um, like so many things, it's like, I like, because the script went through so many, uh, different versions, right. It's impossible to, I, yeah, I would definitely not assign it to the author as his intent. Right. Cause, and his intent was money from what I've read. His was just like, cool, money, money, money. That's what I want. And so, but I think almost what we're seeing is like the monster machine of, values of men in Hollywood at this time, right? They're almost like showing us their hand where it's like, right. It's like, they're like, this is a positive story of love. And then we're looking at it now being like, this is a a story of like submission and like, um, yeah. So it's one of those things where I'm like, it feels, I'm like, who am I mad at? And I'm like, I guess I'm mad at like the big culture monster (laughs) or like, yeah. Like who's the, yeah. Who's the villain behind the villain here? Yeah. It's 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 interesting, Kristen. I saw a similar thing where I was like, "Wow, it's he's like good." What is the lesson? Is he growing? Like, I guess he's getting like he's more of a free spirit, and he's all about like building things now. And like, I guess he's you know going to commit to a relationship with her. So like, there's some growth from him, but like, it's still very much like he's the dom. It's it doesn't really feel like a relationship of like equals. It definitely feels like he's the dominant provider and she's like the submissive kind of like infantilized, you know, woman who's like literally rolling on his 
hotel floor eating candy and drinking champagne being like let's watch movies she's, um she's sitting uh, on her tummy and watching i love lucy and laughing too loud oh, <laughs> yes. she doesn't know how to use a fork oh, oh gosh oh, oh, cute God. little baby woman um, oh, no yes gosh. definitely and i think it's like but he tricks me like every time I like I get so swept up in the romance. And I think it's because it like uses these like I'll use the word toxic rom-com tropes like the <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like Pygmalion where it's like, oh, like you've seen it in My Fair Lady where it's like a man like helping a woman down on her luck. And then he like molds her into the perfect kind of woman. Um and it's easy to get distracted by like the fun clothes and the makeovers and stuff like that to be like, wait, no, wait, what is really happening right here? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, he, she is getting all these fun clothes and stuff, but like eh, she's not really getting power, just clothes, um, losing power, you getting clothes. Really, yeah, but one thing I was thinking about in this movie, I'm like, why is this movie so problematic, but why is it so enjoyable? Yes. And... I think it's because Julia Roberts does such a good job of making us feel like she's having a great time. Yes. And yes. I think that's why she got the Oscar nod. That's why she got the Golden Globe and so on is because she did something that seems impossible to be with somebody who is a heartless mover and shaker who doesn't even care that his dad died, who just buys people off, who has an ex-wife here who he doesn't care about, an ex-girlfriend here he doesn't care about, uh, who is really not a very nice guy. And somehow while she's with him, being underpaid, mind you, she's oh, getting $3,000 for six days when he has a billion dollars. He mentions like, oh, yeah, I just did a billion dollar deal or whatever. It's like, so it's like mad. you're so underpaid. Because I Googled yeah. the inflation rate and it just would be double. So it would still be $6,000 for 24 hours a day of work for a week. It's like, I mean, I guess that's almost scale. Is that scale? I guess almost. Yeah, I mean, but, that's pretty, that's still pretty good that's money. that's for like, but, a, what, like an eight hour, 12 hour day? This is 24. So truly it yeah. should be... It should, she should, should be, be getting double. overtime. She, yeah, she should be getting overtime oh, yeah. and that the rate should double. <laughs> yeah. And probably yeah. and she's having to get wet, so she should get one of those wet vouchers <laughs> or whatever you call it. All right. So I'm napping it way but, too much. But somehow she manages to act like she's so delighted all the time. She's so excited. She's laughing. It's like she's living the high life. Oh, she's having so much fun. And he makes these grand gestures like when he orders her I took the liberty of ordering you everything on the menu oh, after their first night together. Whimsical. And she's so she's all of us, all of us girls who didn't grow up rich, who's just like, oh, my God, you did it for me. And she's so excited. Everything is so exciting for her. Right. Yes. 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 It's like it's like whenever I, I watch The Bachelor, Ali does, I think, sometimes. And yes, Ali, we both watch The Bachelor. And it's like those types of things like live on in The Bachelor in sort of like a scary monster way. But it's like like I would like I'm like I'm like, OK, I could never go on The Bachelor. But when I watch the episodes where it's like the girl gets the one on one where she gets to buy everything in the store. I'm like, but that would be nice. That'd and it so doesn't get nice. me every time. It's like, no, this isn't real. Nothing's no. happening. And then I'm like, she got to buy the clothes. Uh, it's a real fantasy. It is a real, real yeah. fantasy. I wanted to quickly circle back to Julia Roberts' portrayal and what a great job she did because she is so, like, I think this was like her third big thing. She did like Mystic pizza steel magnolias mm -hmm. and i think this is her kind of like satisfaction she did satisfaction she, but she was in a supporting role in satisfaction <gasps> okay this was like imagine? her first kind of like bigger <laughs> role and kind of like established her as a rom-com star and she was like 22 when she filmed it which is like i think no, about what she I wasn't even she wasn't even legal she celebrated her 21st birthday on the set and <gasps> they gave her a drink oh my oh god my god she was a kid oh my god doesn't oh my that just add to the grossness that he's in his 40s she oh wasn't god. legal to go to a bar that's like oh my god oh. it's just sorry i i'm no i'm interjecting no, when i no, shouldn't no, because no, you're no. making some good points it's, about julia roberts it's oh just oh my gosh can you like i think about what i was like when i was 21 i uh, she has so much charisma and confidence. She is a star. Uh, she is yes. uh, just, you cannot, uh, you just cannot stop looking at her. She, I just like, but um, her performance is so, she's just so bubbly and full of life. And something I thought about when I was rewatching this film was, um, I wonder what it's like being a sex worker and watching this film and what, <laughs> 
like a real sex worker's take on this film was. And in my mind, I was like, they're going to hate it. I don't But I was reading an article on bitch media. <laughs> Check it out. A really great article. Um, what's it titled? Wait, Allie, where, let me just, uh, 30 years later, sex workers reflect on the impact of pretty woman. Um, oh, hell yeah. um, in bitch media. And it's so interesting because a lot of sex workers said that they, that, like, Nobody was like, I loved it, but they were like, yeah, it was, it was cute. They liked the fact that it like showed sex workers as just like smart, likable, normal people kind of a thing. Like there wasn't, and they liked how it wasn't like too gritty um, because like a lot of like the anti-sex worker um, movement, like are trying to make it seem like really dangerous and, and, and bad. And so like, it was interesting that this was like, um, like a more positive portrayal and the article made a really good point. They're like, you, like we, as sex workers, we would like to see ourselves portrayed, um, in an even more human way where, (laughs) you know, our job isn't the like identifying aspect of who we are. So they're like, we'd love to see like a Hallmark film where, you know, (laughs) somebody's trying to help their grandfather's failing bakery and oh yeah they're also a sex worker during the day or something like that and so i thought i thought that was really interesting and um that it was like that for the most part sex workers look at the film like yeah it's okay it's a fantasy um the one aspect they don't like about it is kind of what we're talking about too which is like the rescue aspect where it's like she needs to be rescued by richard gear character yes or 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 like assuming that somebody like wouldn't wouldn't be uh obviously this is like different because her character is not necessarily there by choice but yeah that like oh all sex workers would like to not be sex workers or would like to be rescued out of it when it's like um that like that's that's not the case i do like that that was reflected in kit where she was like why would i stop doing this and sure by the end she has like other interests Mm -hmm. but um yeah yeah. Um, that's so interesting. I love that because this script got put through like the rom-com studio <laughs> machine, it like accidentally like normalized sex work. Sex in a way. work. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> like, weren't there, Mia, like weren't there endings that were like very, very dark? Oh my gosh. Like, okay. Okay. So these are like the three iterations of the endings that I dug up, which are really interesting. Okay, great. So the way it obviously ends, spoiler alert, is that Richard Gere comes down. Um, I'm not sure what street, but in his limo, he's like pretending to be the knight coming to save her. And he climbs up a fire escape with roses and then they kiss and they're, you know, and then she's going to be his wealthy missus for um, the rest of time. The first original version, I think, had her going back to her apartment. And Kit has died of a drug overdose while she was with him. And that no! that was the original version. The second version, which I am kind of into, much different film, but it's it ends with her taking the money she got from him and her and Kit going on a bus to Disneyland to blow it all. And Kit's really excited. And then Julie Roberts' character is just staring out the window with like dead eyes. Because she's like seen oh. she's like seen the one percent and then is like you know, dropped back into her, her life. Oh, um, wow. I kind of wow. like yeah. that. I love I, the Disneyland one. <laughs> the Disneyland one is fun. I thought for a moment that the movie was going to end with her. Cause it had been a while since I had seen it. And I was like, Oh, this movie has a really good ending. They like set up clear boundaries at the beginning of what their relationship was. He pays her the $3,000. She thanks him. She takes all her clothes. <laughs> she leaves and she starts her new career uh in san francisco she's you know a new chapter of her life in san francisco it's like oh what a great ending uh not sappy <laughs> at all or predictable at all and then you know of course richard Gert comes and um uh, sweeps her off her feet um but uh yeah <laughs> can we talk a little bit about that though when he comes to sweep her off her feet yes he comes in the limo um and he climbs the fire escape, which he's scared of heights. He's like, oh, you're on the top floor. And she's like, only the best. Oh, yes. quoting, quoting him back to him because that's what he always says. He's always in the penthouse because it's the Hell best. Yeah. But then he asks what happens after the prince rescues the princess. And then she says, and it's very ominous. It's not romantic sounding. She's not smiling and there's no sparkle in her eye. She just <laughs> says, she 
she rescues him right back. But it sounds like she might kill him next. And then they smash faces in a very unsexy kiss. Oh, and I, guess you. I also thought that kiss was not sexy. I was like, yeah. something was off that sexy. day. And there's no warmth in her eyes when she says she rescues him right back. And I'm like, huh. You know, I remember as a little kid feeling like, that didn't quite land for me. But watching it as a grown up, I'm like, oh, the reason it doesn't land for me is she's lost her sparkle at this point, And it looks like she's not actually happy anymore. And then they smash faces. And maybe she will murder him. That would be fine. <laughs> yeah, I felt that too. Like the only moment that I do get like, oh, they're sort of in um, significantly different age brackets. And this feels a little right. This this um, like motif looks a little odd was in that moment. Uh, yeah, Kristen, me and I like to play this fun game sometimes where uh, it's like, what happens in the fourth act? You know, like third act, you know, they're happily ever ever. But like what happens in the fourth act? Like we, uh, especially with like movies like Sleepless in Seattle, where it's like, okay. But- oh, but that's never going to work out. Yeah, right? Would this really work out in Act Four? Um, and no, that's what I no. Yeah, it's, this movie left me thinking about Act Four, where I was like, I wonder, you know, because he's, you know, technically not. She's not his employee anymore. Their relationship for the first three acts have been clearly, you know, boss employee with you know sexual tension underneath. But now. It's it's a different I don't know. You could argue that like throughout the movie, they like clearly leave behind their previous roles of, you know, boss and employee and, you know, fully embrace being in a relationship with each other. Um, But I don't know. It's a different relationship that they're entering into. And and yeah, uh, she's so she's so I mean, they say throughout the movie, she's so smart and like and interesting and vivacious that you're kind of like I wonder when she gets a little bit older and gets into her like mid to late 20s if she's like you know what maybe I don't want to be married to a (laughs) almost 60 year old maybe I want to do something else I don't know that's just something I was thinking about yes yeah and I also think about her history of abusive relationships there's that one point when Jason Alexander is assaulting her and hitting her and um, and then Richard Gere, Edward, comes to the rescue and punches him and so on. And then Julia Roberts says, what is it about you guys? Do they take you all aside and teach you how to hit a woman? And Edward says, not all men hit. But it's made really clear that she's been hit by a lot of men in her life. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this poor girl has so much baggage. And now she's going to be with a guy who essentially is going to own her. Yeah. Like, and even the way I he hope said in the it. fourth act, she has something better, please. Please. Because yeah. even the way he says not all men hit, it's like, I know it probably was very tender in 1990, but now it's like, shouldn't <laughs> you be saying the majority of men don't hit? No, no man should hit. You know, no man like, should ever hit. No yeah. man should hit. I'm sorry that, yeah. that you ran into a slew of men who hit. That's bad. Uh, but it felt like hashtag not all men. Exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> it was like, like, it felt oh, weak. God. It felt weak. And Okay, I remembered what I was thinking about that last kiss scene. It's oh, like yeah. I think in this movie, right? Like we, we all say, we all agree. Like the the thing that sort of saves it is Julie Roberts' performance and her ability to like make the role fun and convince us she's having a good time. And Allie and I have improv. We come from improv comedy where that is like so true. Where you'll end up with different philosophies that are sometimes like tricky to play. And like a major trick is to be having fun and to like yeah, like get people on your team by like um, thinking you're helping the situation or having a fun time. And I think because the movie is so like Frankenstein from it was supposed to be a gritty sex worker drama and then it became like a a Cinderella rom-com that it almost feels like by the end, it's like she's just like, you know, when they were filming the movie, they had not written this ending yet. So they hadn't written that scene yet. So I honestly wonder if by the end, she was just like, I got nothing left for this conclusion. (laughs) Like I can't, because sometimes you get a role in improv where it's like, I can't make this funny. I can't make the audience I have given all the sparkle I can. I have no more sparkle left for this nonsense. This is, you know, there's no way I can, I can make this work. And so I forgot about that, that they didn't, they hadn't even written the scene. Oh, wow. Um, That makes sense too. Cause like I was reading Roger Ebert's review and he was talking, he's like, that scene at the end feels like a little tacked on it's like oh well, yeah. i guess it, it was, was. <laughs> <laughs> you called it roger <laughs> um, um 
Okay, so we've we've hit upon what perhaps doesn't age well about it and what is like sort of clearly problematic um, in the cold light of 31 years later. Now, what 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 do we like at it? What, what, what do we like to keep with us from this film? Are there like any favorite scenes or favorite moments that you go, OK, this is this is P.S. I still love this rom-com. <laughs> oh, so many. Yes. So many. so many. Can we just talk a minute about Hector Alessandro? Oh, yes. my Ooh. gosh. What's yes. he even doing here? I love it. What's, oh, he what a delight. So- Good, but Gary Marshall considers him his good luck charm and puts him in almost all of yes. his movies. That's why you also see him in The Princess Diaries and a lot of other films. <gasps> and Valentine's Day. Because he fixes, yes. or New Year's Eve, he mm-hmm. fixes the ball that drops. Right, 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 yes. right. He's a famous electrician. He's always the guardian angel in movies because he's so good at it. Yes. And he's a good luck charm for Gary Marshall. And he is just the kind man who will try to help you out try to see the best in you. He won't be gross. Uh, And he's just like a moral compass in every movie that he's in. And he definitely is that in this movie. He is a hero for Vivian long before Edward is ever a hero. He's modeling what does a decent man uh, look like, behave like, how does he treat you? So Hector Elizondo, hats off to you. You're so good in this movie. Yes. So good. I, I so connect with by the end of the movie when she's like to Hector Elizondo, it's like you and I live in the real world. Like we understand. And it is one of those yes. things where it's like, yes, because by experiencing the real world is like um, how how you sort of develop empathy <laughs> for more people because um, you're able to understand each other's situation. So like that was a very interesting theme that it's like, oh my God, I would love to see her and Hector Elizondo having a drink in the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Right, like that. Cheers to cheers to real humans. Um, <laughs> I love him in this. Um, yeah, so I think he holds up quite a bit. But I'll, I'll let you guys say what you think holds up quite a bit because I still have other items, but I don't want to trample on your ideas. Oh my gosh, no! Oh my gosh, we. I, I the the one moment that I I love so much, and this is just you know another shout out to Julia is like she's in the bathtub listening to Prince and. Richard Gere catches her. And if I was an actress in that scene, my reaction would be like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, oh, you caught me singing. <laughs> but her reaction so smart. She laughs it off like, ah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, Prince. Everybody loves Prince. Yeah, right? sure. It was yeah. that's so, that's so true, Allie. That was such a it's such a smart choice. It's it such is, a smart choice to it, get it, us on her side. On I'm her not side. like, oh, dumb dumb me. Dum dum me, who's not in the same class as you, being awkward, and instead she's just like, uh, yeah, she just is like believes in herself, and that's yeah. I love it. I love that um, little moment. Okay, I know this is cliche. I have two moments. I know it's cliche, but it's because I freaking could tell something that was true in the scene, which is obviously the iconic glasses snap on the finger moment. It's like um, I didn't really like clocked it when I was a kid because it wasn't like iconic yet. You know, it wasn't like oh, that's the scene that sunset pretty woman. But I was watching it this time. And I was like, oh, here it comes. And he does it. And I'm like, even like the best actors in the world, I'm like, no, she's really surprised. Like, I'm like, no, that is true, actual surprise. <laughs> That's not acting. And then I was just reading about it. And it, he, it was Richard Gere did it on his own volition. It's not in the script. And he did. That's a genuine laugh, which I just love. And I just love that you can tell um, when it's real. And then obviously, why is it even in there? My favorite moment is when um, the waiter catches the escargot. <laughs> Oh, it's so that. funny. Goes, so many movies time. have tried to copy that and nobody does it as well as this movie. Because right, it's so shocking. It's a tonal shift. It's like out of nowhere. And it's just, oh, yep, happens all the time. He just like goes yeah. back to business. Did you notice all these men who are on her side? Yes. So many men are on her side in this movie. You know, Daryl, the driver, the maitre d', Hector Elizondo, all these men just see how special she is. Yes. Um, very few women in the movie see how special she is. Yeah. Uh, Hector Elizondo's friend. And Robin, who helps her pick out her first dress. Um, I love Robin. Oh, my God. At one point, Julia Roberts is like, Robin, the thing is, I'm not really his niece. And she's like, they never are, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Just like there are these little supporting characters. Uh, I just wish that more of them were women because a lot of the time the women aren't very nice in this movie. Yes. Yes. There aren't that many women, but what few there are aren't very nice usually. Yes. Yes. Which which I clocked and it is one of those things, like one of those tricks of the patriarchy where it's like, okay, so we have like the the patriarchy creates the need for sex work. The patriarchy punishes sex work. And now – we're creating a narrative where women are the ones who are putting down sex workers, right? And it's like this gaslighting that's happening where it's like, okay, so this is like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's wrong. It's like all the men are rooting for her and it's the women that are like, we don't trust you, hussy. And it's like, 
And then it can, it yeah, it teaches women that they should be cruel to sex workers. And it, it's like, it's just very backwards. And yeah, I wish there were um, more women rooting for her as well. Yeah. Um, but speaking of women, can we just talk about how glorious the scene is in the movie that holds up where she first tries to go on that shopping spree? It doesn't go well because those mean women are such freaking bitches yeah. at that shop, yeah. at that high end Rodeo drive shop. And then later on, after Richard Gere takes her on a proper shopping spree where he accompanies her and gives her legitimacy. Uh, after that, she pops back into that shop where they were mean to her and says, you work on commission, right? <laughs> And they don't recognize her. And she's like, I was the one who was in here yesterday. Big mistake, ladies. Yes. Big mistake. Yes. And it's hard not to cheer for that. Yes. That is so well done where it's not about, I mean, I'm sure in some ways it could be read as women against women, but it's also just like poor people against rich people. And mm -hmm. those shop girls and those shops, they're richer than her, but they have no class at all. They're terrible. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to see her just like rub it in their face. Yeah, <laughs> That holds up, I think. The makeover scene holds up too. The trying on the 30 outfits holds up. Oh, yes. So fun. Oh. And I'll even say it, I think a lot of those outfits hold up. Yes. Oh a lot gosh. of them do. Should we all say favorite outfits? Mine's the brown oh. polka dotted dress. Of <gasps> course. Of course that's yours. Yes. That fits. I that fits. love it. Yes. She looks so good in that. That's at the horse races. Yes. Oh, she looks so great. Great outfit. She looks so, so good. good in that. I would wear that dress. Yeah, I would wear that. Yeah. What's uh, I think honestly, don't hate me, but why would you? It's 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 her it's her sex worker outfit. I love that outfit. It's I, I love outfit. that dress. It's <laughs> so boots. cool. Uh, it's such a cool outfit. That's my favorite outfit of the movie. Um, nice. Yeah, I got to say that as a kid, I always thought the black dress that's lacy mm. and off the shoulder she wears the first time yes. is yeah. way better than the red dress. Mm -hmm. I thought the red dress, the proportions looked off somehow. There was something about the red dress. I never understood why that was yeah, the dress it's, people it's like It's off in the best. boobs. She has perfect boobs. It shouldn't be off in the boobs. Yeah. The uh, I don't know. Something was off there. Yeah. 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 So I always liked the black dress better for the elegant scenes, but I already mentioned it. My favorite outfit is the orange short oh, yes. jacket those kind of culotte shorts she's wearing oh, oh love it i mean so good. i mean i saw an article that says that's going to be uh the that's going to be the the female transition look out of sweatpants it'll be big baggy suits <laughs> they'll get back out in the world here for I it. I already got one. I got, oh, yes! I got a short jacket combo. Kristen, yes. I did it. Mine's not orange, but I'm ready. I'm yes. totally ready. Yes. Um, well, okay. So we have, we've talked about uh, what parts, you know, didn't age well. We talked about what parts we love. Um, should we get into counting the tropes of this Oh, movie, yes, yes. Um, because there were quite a few. Um, like a lot. And I know I miss some because I got I got swept up in this movie. Same. Um, I won't same, lie. Same, same. Um, but do you um Mia, do you want me to start and then yes. um yes. and then you can add in any that I I've missed? Okay. Da, da, da. And then Kristen um, will come to you. And then we'll yeah, we'll tag team over to you. Uh if you have any that we've missed. Um I have uh Da, da, da. Oh, opening shots of uh, the city skyline in L.A. But I almost laughed at this because the smog <laughs> in the, these opening shots of L.A. is so bad where it's just like, oh, God, you can just yeah. like, see the smog where I'm like, uh, what? Like the, 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 the Hollywood sign was pretty, but the smog of the city was like uh, pretty gross, uh, which I yeah. thought was funny <laughs> and weird. Um <sighs> I have the uh, Pygmalion trope, which is mm -hmm. uh, you see in other rom-coms like Ruby Sparks, My Fair Lady, uh, where men um, kind of, uh, you know, sculpt a woman or build a woman into their perfect image of femininity. Um, I have Richard Gere as a busy businessman who has no time for love because he's so busy. He doesn't <laughs> sleep. He doesn't drink. He's too busy doing busy business um i have a getting ready montage i feel like yes. this is, we see this more in like teen rom-coms um i think i always think about pretty in pink uh, as like one of my favorite getting ready montages but we see um uh vivian getting ready uh for work where she puts on her boots um and her incredible wig um and all of that fun stuff um i have uh a 
meet cute. Uh, this mm-hmm. I thought this meet cute was really good. Where he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not looking for you know sex. I'm just looking for directions. Like Richard Gere's driving along Hollywood Boulevard. He doesn't know how to drive a car. And she's like, okay, I'll give you directions. And uh, by the way, I also know a lot about cars, um, mm-hmm. which uh, <laughs> leads me into my second and or another trope, which is. Um, girl who's like just one of the guys she's not like other girls she knows about cars you know the boys fixed up cars and i uh paid attention and i paid attention and i'm not like i'm not like other girls who you know sip champagne or take little bites i take big bites of my pancake um (laughs) even though i'm thin as a rail Um, even though i'm far too skinny to be able to have carbs Uh, (laughs) oh my god ali sorry this is like the first time we're having like all the same tropes in the same order because they were just (gasps) bing bang boom in this movie (gasps) i'm literally like yeah like all of those oh wow incredible yeah one mind we share a mind um I have uh oh I have Kit as the hot mess best friend. She's yes. spending your rent money on drugs and like taking you know I love this part where she's like let's get snacks and she goes to the bar and just like gets maraschino cherries and like orange wedges <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like very cute, very very hot mess. Um, we love it. Uh, I have uh, I have okay. So I wrote co-workers or slash best friends obsessed with your love life they are co-workers and let me tell you why because she's his employee and he pays the hotel for and then they're the employees of the hotel so they're that's what i was thinking workers everyone in the hotel is obsessed with their romance and are like cheering for them versus like if i worked in a hotel i'd be like honestly i don't i don't Give a fuck. I just want to get my paycheck. I can't believe I have to put this elevator up here at midnight. There was a couple yeah. having an affair. This? They yeah. would come into my restaurant. We all knew they were having an affair. And I would always just be like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, ah. Um, um, uh, okay. I have just a couple more. I have the, uh, uh, I have a makeover sequence. Yeah. Uh, but I think mm-hmm. it kind of happens off camera kind of but i have a makeover sequence and then i also have a shopping montage yeah yes yes that's that's where i'll leave it those are my first passive tropes um mia did i miss any wow i was like six for six with Allie through hot mess best friends with those being the same very exciting very exciting but this movie is just very like linear with tropes um yes i have um the dead parent trope in a rom-com it is uh Mm -hmm. very often you give uh one of the characters um a deceased family member uh, to sort of as an entry point into connection between the two people um i've got watches another rom-com she's watching an aubrey hepburn rom-com yes in the yeah. movie. Um, I had shopping montage. Um, uh, we say the name of the movie when we play the title song of Pretty Woman. Rom-coms love to say the name of the movie. Um, montage of the good times. There's like the day where they're like in the park reading Shakespeare. This happens in rom-coms where it's like, okay, we got to get them closer. Uh, let's just roll the footage on the day where they're having fun, uh, laughing, reading Shakespeare. Cliff notes. Where did that come from? <laughs> Who's who brought that? Which one of them brought that? I it doesn't n- n- neither answer makes sense. Um, do, do, do. I have like at some point somebody t- like teaches something in a rom com, and this is more Pygmalion. Um, I feel like I often more see it like a hero teaching a heroine or a man teaching a woman, but it's yeah. also in like How to Be a Latin Lover, where it's like the the uncle teaches like his little nephew how to walk. There's usually some sort of like let me show you like uh, something that's sort of going to help you like land your love. Um. Do, do, do I have oh yeah that there is a significant age gap between the actors mm-hmm. uh, and it's usually with the man being much older there's an 18 year age difference there um, do, do, oh. do, you said Pygmalion and then the grand gesture which is <gasps> oh, him mm-hmm. showing up in a limo doing the, her fantasy of the night um, coming but let's not forget the other grand gesture uh, I'm going to take you on a date that costs way more than what I'm paying you for these six days to have sex right? with me yes I oh mean. my gosh I was so mad I'm like how much did this private jet cost you dude you just spent $10,000 to take her on a date but you're only paying her $3,000 I know right? yeah. she wants that money She she's happy yeah. with just getting hot dogs and sitting in the park with you maybe just give her that money (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so that is what i had Kristen. do or any tropes that we that that we missed yeah so i always um like to include either piano 
and or sax solo while a woman goes through a moment of deep thought. So in this movie, <laughs> yes. it is it is piano, and it is a few different times where that piano moment comes in. Of course, the orchestra eventually sometimes joins it, but uh, you may recall that it happened in Moonstruck, which you've talked about on your show, where the sax solo happens while Cher is getting dressed up and she's going to go to Lincoln Center. Yes. Or, so um, I include piano slash sax solo. Absolutely. As one of the tropes. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I don't know if you guys consider that a trope or not, but I do. 100%. No, yeah. that's very, very accurate. Yeah. Um, Especially like 90s, 80s. Like, oh, yes, yeah. Definitely. All of them had to have that. Yeah. Uh, working Girl has it too. They all have it. Yes. Back then. Yes. Oh, no. 100%. Okay. Well, all of those tallied up. 19 tropes for um, do, do, do Pretty Woman. So. High end of the nice. middle. High end of the middle. High end Not of bad. the middle. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Nice. Well, we have counted the tropes. We know that Pretty Woman is a rom-com. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but now, you guys, uh, it is time to rate this rom-com. So we here at PSI Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five rom-coms. And as of now, here are our top five. We have The Best Man, When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Never Been Kissed, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So now if we choose, today we can put Pretty Woman on that list, but we have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what do we think? Does Pretty Woman deserve a spot on the top five? And if so, who should it knock off? Knock off the best man. You <laughs> <gasps> like the best man? Oh my you gosh. You know what? I... I I might be misremembering it. Maybe it's a great movie. It's been a gazillion years. You know what? Maybe I'm mixing it up with Maid of Honor, oh, which is a terrible oh, movie. Oh, Kristen, you might be. Maid of Honor, uh, that's the one with, uh, with what's his name? McDreamy. Patrick Dempsey. Dr. McDreamy, and it's terrible. Patrick Dempsey, you oh. are. Yes, we watched, oh, we watched Maid of Honor. so bad. So, oh, God. Was, that movie Maid of, didn't know what it was. It didn't it, know it's terrible. It, it's like one of the worst lines in rom-com history has to be, I've been dreaming about my bridal shower since I was a little girl. No, that's <laughs> not <laughs> the point of wedding. Nobody, nobody has ever said that. You don't conceptually understand what that is when you're a little girl. No. No, oh, it's no. still confusing when you're in friends' weddings as an adult. You go, wait, what's the difference between these events? No. What's the difference between an engagement party and a bridal shower? Are they the same thing? I still don't even That's know. That's the thing. It's confusing. And then it just, it's, and some of them are not every time. So anyways, no, she would not be. No, The Best Man is a lovely rom-com drama about a guy who writes a novel. Um, and it's like going back to his college friend's wedding. And it's like all the friends are getting back together for the first time. And everyone slowly starts to realize that all the characters in the novel are all based on them. And it's like airing everybody's dirty laundry. Dirty laundry ah. A bunch of secrets come out. A bunch of uh, secret sex. Oh, lots okay. of, it's very, we, um. This is very different than Maid of Honor, which is terrible. Oh, Nobody should watch Kristen, it. I, <laughs> Nobody that, watch it. Your reaction makes the most sense. <laughs> <laughs> and I recently thought that too. I, I literally was like, I wonder how many people read the best man and think we mean maid of honor yeah. and listeners we don't we do not mean maid of honor which is <laughs> fine probably was you know made sense made more sense at the time um no 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 um i know this is hard this is hard pretty woman obviously a classic obviously iconic um and Julia Roberts is just pure gold a in this queen, movie. She is a so queen in her own delightful, right. delightful with a capital D. She brings the love. She brings the joy. She's having such a good time, or at least she's convincing us she is. Oh, I yeah. know. It's yeah. it's this is really tough. This is really tough. I don't know what to do. Allie, do you know what to do? I'm trying to think. I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it on the list. Um, I think just because I, Julia Roberts is so great in this, but I don't, uh, I don't know if it really, I don't know. It feels like a man's rom-com to me. And I, and not that it's a bad thing. Um, the best man is a man's rom-com, but I think it's yes. a well done. It's and a fun I mean, men's rom-com. It's a rom-com uh, about the men. Which, it's a rom-com but, about the men. And when I say a man's rom-com, I mean, it's directed and, uh, you know, directed and written by men and kind of about, you know, male fantasies. Yeah. And, yeah. and this, in this movie, pretty woman feels like kind of like a fantasy and not 
and not maybe a realistic depiction of love. And I also don't believe that the characters would make it to act four or five together. So that's why I wouldn't put it on. But it was really fun. And gosh, I had a blast watching it. And I did enjoy the fantasy of it. But I don't know. I don't know. if It also isn't like, ha ha, funny. It's just kind of cute funny. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't put it on. But I had a, had a good time watching it. If you had a top 10 list, I would say you'd have to put it on. But yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 I agree. Yeah, I agree with that in that it's like, I, I think it's like I get, I just have like my absolute rom-com heroines that I stand and like on all of these lists, I have them in there. And it's like, I don't want to trade it for this Julie Roberts character in Pretty Woman. But it's like, I w- only because it's like, I, I stand her other characters more where it's like, I would rather have Julie Roberts in Notting Hill back on the list which we ain't got oh. booted off but i'm like no you and i disagree it's very controversial. much on that. i know people hate anna Some people, people hate, don't yeah people do not like that character i think she's terrible in that movie people do i not hate like that movie her. i love no, her but i get it. it people hate her i like yeah it's yeah so that's why it's it's, it's just controversial. a girl standing in front of a rom-com saying i hate you yes. that's how i feel about that movie guys we're gonna have to do like we just finished march magnus for meg ryan we we're gonna to have to do for julia, julia roberts. roberts we do yes we, I yes. mean, I can't wait till we do Runaway Bride. I rewatched that <gasps> recently, and same, I, same, same, same. Back together, her and Richard Gere. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> and the chemistry doesn't lie. They, they, they are very, um, they have very compatible. good chemistry together. Yeah, yeah. I think but yeah, that's a note for life. me as well. But I, yeah, I would say if the list was extended, it certainly. You know what? It could go on most iconic rom coms with. Yeah. What did we just put on most iconic? I mean, most popular. It's so most popular. popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, with that sad bit of reality, it's time for our final segment, Reality Check. In this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. This week, we wanted to look at the rom-com plot device of the Cinderella story. This is a device that we see in a lot of rom-coms where one character crosses class lines to be with another character. Well, oh, oh. We see this in films like My Fair Lady, Pride and Prejudice, Made in Manhattan, etc. But have any of us ever had a Cinderella moment in real life? Hmm. <laughs> um, I, you know, I used to sometimes go out to lunch with this guy at the TV <laughs> station I worked at, and I thought, oh, this is an older guy who likes to take me out to lunch, and you know, he thinks I'm bubbly good company, and um, I he knew I had a boyfriend at the time, but then at a certain point, he wanted to take me away to Florida, and I was like, why would I go to Florida with you? You, and then it. Yeah. So I think he thought he could be the Richard Gere there, but I made it pretty clear early on I didn't want to be as Julia Roberts. Um, so there was that. So and I guess I was, letting, I was letting him take me out for expensive lunches. But yes, as you should. Kristen, but that's you that's about as far as it went. Um, and those lunches did not add up to $3,000, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> and then another one, let's see. I uh, When I... Let's see, what other things do they hold up or not hold up in my life by comparison? Like, I don't know. My husband, the first Valentine's Day we were together, he got me very expensive jewelry and underclothes, just (gasps) like Richard Gere gets her. And I was really thrown off by it. Like, (laughs) I was like, you don't ever have to do that again, you know. (laughs) We haven't known each other very long, and this is very expensive. That is something I feel like, maybe I'm not that, maybe this is, but... I've never like it. It feels like a movie thing, like very expensive. And maybe I'm just not getting expensive jewelry and other um, women are. But I'm like, it It feels like a movie thing being like, here's a big, you know, diamond yes. something. And it's always like, whoa, and like it's a movie thing and a commercial thing where it's like, um, it seems like men are always giving women diamond bracelets and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. literally, I don't wear jewelry ever, never have. I have very sensitive skin. I get concerned <laughs> that if I ever mm-hmm. get married, how am I going to wear a ring all the time if I choose to do that? <laughs> I don't know because I don't like, I got nothing. I've got nothing, ladies, ever. Um, so, yeah. And then the lingerie, I'd rather pick it out myself so I can choose my, a flattering cut and then also surprise <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, just give me a, a just give me a gift card for Victoria's Secret. Yeah, Let me I'll go do get that like shopping. Lovely high waisted layered uh, <laughs> <laughs> layered lingerie. <laughs> I don't know. No, me, I, it's like I'm gonna use this to buy lingerie, and she wears like a sweater. <laughs> I'm just buying like a full pantsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, have you 
The closest thing I've had is I was like one of my first jobs out of college. I was like, of course, young. Uh, I was it was a I worked at a diner um, and I worked the graveyard shift at this 24 hour diner. And uh, I remember and it was on uh, Sunset uh sunset another kind of fun la street uh and uh i remember one night like uh buster rhymes came in um with his entourage and uh his manager like came up to me and was like flirting with me and i was like it's like midnight or actually it was probably even later because my shift started at like 10 p.m um so i was like not wearing makeup and i was pretty grungy and he's like you've got the best smile and i remember being like oh my god (laughs) i feel so seen (laughs) and he like talked to me like for most of my shift and gave me his card which was like very fancy and like gave me a huge tip and then was like hey what are you doing tomorrow night? I'm going to uh, a Kanye party. And um, (gasps) if you want to come with me, you have my card. So like, call me. Um, And I was like, oh my gosh, I have improv practice tomorrow. So I can't come with you. (laughs) Um, Really? What was I thinking? I was just, I just like, I just, I know. That was a bad decision. It was, was, I just like, nothing like that had ever happened to me before where like, I, somebody thought I was special and um, like picked me out and like was like, let me, let me show you like the wonders of, you know, high, high society LA. You know, and it, he, you know, he thought that you were making that up. I have improv practice. That's like, oh, I have to shampoo my cat. <laughs> no, it's, it's bad as saying I have to do laundry. Oh, God. I was so, uh, if he had asked me now, I would have been like, heck yes. Um, but I was so young and naive and I was like, I I actually have something. Um, I, have I, wasn't, <gasps> I have a commitment that I will honor. Um, oh, gosh. But yeah, that was my closest uh that was my oh. closest Cinderella story moment. Mia, do you have that's any? A great, that's a great one. Um, no, so I've never had the big Cinderella moment. But what I, what I will say is this Pygmalion trope in pop culture is what is and was uh, a huge problem. Because what I will say is uh, at m- every stage of my life, older men have been uh, like always trying to swoop in and be like, oh, let me mold. Let me mold your tastes, you know, and it's just like very like in high school, I feel like. There's like always older guys being like, oh, like you should listen to like this band or like, oh, you like that music? Like, that's cool. I didn't expect that of you. And I just feel like and then so I just feel like that. Like now that yeah. I'm looking back on it. And even when I first moved to LA, there's like so I feel like the first five men you meet in LA are like, let me tell you how LA works. And like want you to like get on like how their LA works program. And then like looking back, you're like, that was and you know, you know, and you don't fall for it. You don't fall for it, ladies. You wait. You wait, you wait and you make your own uh opinions about how LA works and what's important. <laughs> But it's like, I'm also like, what stories are we telling men that they're constantly walking around being like, here's a lady who's at least three years younger than me. Come with me and let me tell you how things are done. Um, here's how you use a fork. So no, no big Cinderella. That would be fun. I would love if a big wealthy man came and flew me around the world. But also, I don't know. We had it during our um, real life rom-coms in February. We heard we heard some stories about that. And it doesn't sound very fun. Um in practice. So no, I would say no big Cinderella moment, but lots of attempted Pygmalions uh, mm, situations. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you can't tame this stinky, stinky lady. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, uh, well, wow. Okay, so it sounds like... It sounds like reality checks out in that the opportunities are there and people are trying to <laughs> reenact this pretty woman Pygmalion situation. So there you have it from uh, from the mouths of three babes. Um, <laughs> well, that concludes. I hate to say it. That concludes our podcast. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on today and having us rewatch this absolute classic and iconic film. Oh, my gosh. It has been so fun. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, my it. gosh. It's a blast. Come back anytime. And do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Oh, yes. Well, I always like to promote my podcast, Movie Therapy with Rafe yes. and Kristen. Yes. Uh, that show is an advice column 
column slash watch list. So people write in with whatever they're dealing with that's a problem. Like I'm in love with my roommate. I hate my job. I can't stand my children. Whatever it is people are writing in about. And then Rafer and I try to give some advice. And then we give them a movie and a TV recommendation to help them through whatever ails them. So um, please listen to Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. I feel like we probably have a lot of crossover listeners. I'm guessing people who like your show would like mine and vice versa. And I think people are, it's feel like people are going through so much right now. And it's just such a TV, TV, media is one of the things we sort of have uh, at the moment that that is helping. Yeah. It's a comforting thing. It's a comforting Um, thing right now. So Yes, absolutely. Yes. And you can all, if you want to, feel free to follow me on Twitter at Kristen Meinzer, on Insta at K10Meinzer, K10Meinzer. And just thanks again, ladies, for having me. This has been so much fun. I love rom-coms. P.S. I love them. Yes, I love rom-coms. I love (laughs) (laughs) rom-coms. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. Oh, and P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. So do I. I love them so much. Hello, listeners of P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Are you ready for a promo? My name is Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan of true crime. Every week on our new podcast, Muriel's Murders, I handpick a real-life crime story that I think will blow Nick's mind. Muriel is really enthusiastic about researching and telling me these stories, and boy, they are a lot. Some of them are famous. Some of them are weirdly under the radar, but all of them contain crime, violence, and murder from across history and around the globe. How does that make you feel, Nikki? Nervous. Are you ready to hear a story? No. Too bad. Here comes Muriel's Murders. So join us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the original Muriel's Murders animations on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok at Muriel's Murders. Campfire.